1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
0: It's Monday, June 13th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Senate negotiators have reached a deal on guns. For now, it's just a framework, a deal on principle. Legislation still needs to be written, but it mostly centers around giving states incentives to create red flag laws and expanded background checks for those 18 and 21. There would also be funding for mental health and school safety. Ten Republican senators have signed on so far, but there is still a lot that can go wrong. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for what to know about the framework and what to expect from the rest of the January 6th hearing. Next, what does a road trip look like in an all-electric vehicle? For one reporter, it was kind of a nightmare. The trip did cost less money for fuel, but more time was spent charging than sleeping. To be clear, this trip used public charging infrastructure on a trip from New Orleans to Chicago and back. Not all chargers were fast chargers, and not all of them are created equal. Charging speeds varied every time. Rachel Wolf, consumer trends reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for her four-day EV road trip. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. This red flag statute that provides for crisis intervention orders around the country can really save people not only from gun violence in communities and schools, but also from suicides, which account for more than half of all gun violence deaths. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Well, it seems that we have a framework agreed upon by the senators who are working on new gun restrictions. I was looking at a little bit of the uh, Sunday talk shows. I haven't heard framework agreement on principle only, not legislation. Uh, Everybody was really still hedging their bets, even though there has been some agreement. Um, This deal was negotiated by Senators Chris Murphy and Senator John Cornyn. This could be the most significant federal action we've seen in about 30 years on guns, if we make it all the way
2: you're absolutely right to say there was lots of hedging going on. Uh, we've seen this play before, um, and sometimes they can reach agreements on principles or philosophies or frameworks, and when they actually sit down to write the bills, they realize it's much more complicated, and there are other sticking points so they haven't uh, gotten to the legislation yet but an agreement on on two big pieces and two big pieces that for what we understand publicly you know the public has support for one of them being red flag laws so it would be easier for the police or the courts or others to say this person is a danger they shouldn't be allowed to buy guns And an expansion of background checks a system that's mostly handled by the federal government already um would allow more extensive background checks so that particularly someone who had been subject to a red flag couldn't buy the gun because no one noticed they weren't uh subject to that red flag
0: now that one's going to be kind of an interesting way uh to to go about it because from my understanding so far what they've said is these enhanced background checks are coming for people 18 to 21. So not for the uh, population Mm -hmm. at large, Um, they're going to look at criminal records, mental health records, anything like that, that can, you know, disqualify somebody from buying a gun. But, you know, that seems like something that could be applied to everybody, you know, all age groups. But it seems like they're going very narrow. And, you know, we know the GOP doesn't want to infringe on any gun owner's rights.
2: We know that already every federally licensed gun dealer, which is most gun dealers have to apply a background check, and they use a couple of systems where you know they make sure you're not a terror, you know, a known terrorist. They make sure that you haven't been prohibited from purchasing a gun. But like you said, this would be more expansive for that younger set of people. And I think we are going to hear some arguments from opponents who are going to say, if you expand the system first for those 18 to 21, next you're going to expand it for everyone. Um, that this will grow. Uh, but I, I think that there's a lot of support for this that people who have been deemed a risk aren't allowed to purchase a firearm um and i think that that it it probably could help get them through the negotiations
0: now support overall for the bill you know will it pass they need the 60 votes 10 republican senators have signed on to this already so there's hope there but as you mentioned uh once we get to the writing of the legislation that's really what's going to matter there um so we'll see we'll see how that goes i wanted to talk about the january 6 hearings that we had they kicked off this past thursday In prime time, wanting to get as many eyes on what happened that day as possible. Uh, From what I've seen, people are saying, you know, they want to accomplish two things. Obviously, to present the most amount of information to the public that they can to understand what happened, but also to get the attention of the Justice Department, of Attorney General Merrick Garland, to see if there might be a possibility that they charge former President Trump.
2: We saw 20 million Americans tuned in to those hearings um, on Thursday night. That first round of hearings took about uh, two hours for that presentation. And it was an overview of what we're gonna see in the coming weeks. And I I think you have pretty much nailed it. We know the committee has sort of two goals. One is to tell the American public what happened, how it happened, um, and to get some support potentially for um, what they think might be legislation that could prevent something like that from happening again um such as you know overhauling the way that the votes are counted and then second we heard democrats again on sunday saying they think trump should be subject to criminal liability and i and i always want to emphasize that's the hardest goal of all of their goals to right. possibly obtain um that still seems like a very distant long shot even though we do know that the department of justice is conducting some kind of investigation of their own
0: like you said that's going to be the hardest thing to go for but uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. And and you're right. You know, we're going to have a few weeks of these hearings. Um, the next ones kick off on Monday. Then on Wednesday, uh, we're going to have seven in total, it seems like. So there's a lot more to come on that. And what has been the reaction so far from the public, from former President Trump? We we know he took to his truth social media site and bashing Bill Barr, even bashing his daughter a little bit, saying she checked out. She, does, she didn't study any of the election stuff. So uh, what have we been hearing as far as reactions?
2: That's right. When we talk to Republicans ahead of the hearings, uh, the RNC and Republican strategists really seem set on uh, not paying much attention to the hearings and focusing instead on the issues affecting people, inflation, gas prices, uh, those pocketbook issues. Uh, Donald Trump as Donald Trump often does, did not get the messaging memo. He did not stay on message. And we did see him going after Bill Barr. We saw him criticizing his own daughter. I suspect we're going to see more of that right. um, as these unfold. Um, and and we know the public, to some extent, is watching, but we also know that this is a lot of people who already sort of agreed uh, with the committee, who already have formed an opinion. So still very tough for the committee uh, to change the minds of anyone who hadn't already Uh, sort of formed an opinion about what happened that
0: day. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa
2: he says somebody's in the house and i
0: screamed
1: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
3: where it works it really does work and we didn't mind the half hour stops you know we would grab lunch, stretch our legs, that wasn't the issue. You know, stopping for half an hour really isn't going to be what changes your whole sure. day. If, if you're planning a trip that's seven hours and it takes eight, whatever. If you're planning a trip that takes, that's supposed to be seven hours and it takes 15, uh,
0: <laughs> which was yeah. what we experienced. Joining us now is Rachel Wolf, Consumer Trends Reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I wanted to talk to you, Rachel, about uh, a great story you wrote up about a road trip you took in a rented electric vehicle. You wanted to go out there and see if you can do the trip. The trip was from New Orleans to Chicago in a brand new Kia EV6 that you rented. And the story is really about the public charging infrastructure to see how easy it would be to get from one place to another using the public infrastructure that we have, that we know The Biden administration is pouring a lot of money into, right? The country at large, states as well, are trying to get this infrastructure going, you know, and it's not fully set up yet. There's other systems like Tesla going, but this is kind of the public charging infrastructure that we're talking about. And while the trip did cost you less money, you spent a whole hell of a lot of time at charging stations and uh, trying to make a charging station before you ran out of juice. So, Rachel, tell us, give us the big overview. What did, what, what did you endure throughout this uh, road trip?
3: Yeah, it was, you know, to put it mildly, a road trip from hell. Uh, <laughs> um, we The headline of the story is we spent more time charging than we spent sleeping. I went with my friend, Mac, and, you know, wouldn't wouldn't do it again anytime soon. I think a lot of it was traveling through the south where public charging infrastructure is particularly lacking. And, you know, it's really exciting. All the planned investments and there's promise of things getting a lot better but for now we were stuck with some really slow chargers and not a whole lot of options especially between new orleans and our first stop was in nashville Uh, we also drove back from chicago because we had to return the rental car and between memphis and new orleans was also pretty dicey you know Mm -hmm. if. One charger was out of order, which thankfully they weren't. We really would have been even even more screwed. Our 18 hours was, you know, having things go about as well as they could have, uh, aside from the severe weather we experienced. But, um, you know, I, mean, you know, it's, I think,
0: and, yeah. And the weather and all that stuff, I mean, those are all things you're going to experience on a road trip. But totally. the, the particulars are having to deal with not... Stopping at a readily available gas station and filling up and going in a matter of minutes, right? Having to stay there and charge on uh, these chargers that sometimes aren't fast chargers. So let's talk a little bit about the parameters of everything. As I mentioned, you guys were in a Kia EV6. It was a 2,000-mile road trip. You used the PlugShare app, which has kind of a map of public chargers. Tell us how that worked out. Right.
3: So, the PlugShare app tells you every place that you could possibly charge, uh, you know, in the whole country. Um, and we sorted by fast chargers. So actually, they're a different color on the map. And so, you know, we understand as somebody who reports on electric cars, although I don't own one, the difference between a fast charger, which offers charging speeds uh, up to t- at 350 kilowatts, which is super fast. Most most cars can't even accept that much power. But there's a big range, a bigger range than I knew going into the trip and all of my reporting. You know, I just knew that there were these three levels of chargers. Um, and I never really thought more about it because I had never charged a car myself. And I think that that would be a pretty... You know, it's a pretty typical thing to expect, a fast charger is fast. Um, We learned that that is not necessarily the case. There is this huge range, and fast chargers start at about 24 kilowatts, which the difference between 24 and 350 uh, is huge. It's the difference of spending three hours uh, walking downtown. To meridian mississippi because we don't want to stay at the kia dealership where our car is plugged in you know that charger had trouble even cracking 20 kilowatts yeah. so super super slow um we we're also we ended up needing to use a level two charger at one point because we just didn't make it to our next fast charger and we're the fast Where the true fast chargers are. They're great. Um, We had some really positive charging experiences as well, which I wrote about in the piece, you know, where it works, it really does work. And we didn't mind the half hour stops. You know, we would grab lunch, stretch our legs. That wasn't the issue. You know, stopping for half an hour really isn't going to be what Changes your whole sure. day. So if you're planning a trip that's seven hours and it takes eight, whatever. You're planning a trip that takes that's supposed to be seven hours and it takes fifteen,
0: uh, <laughs> which was yeah. what we experienced. So, you know, so, that's a little bit. So, so some of these fast charging stations, they'll say you know you can get eighty percent charge in about twenty to thirty minutes. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot of these uh, along the way sometimes are these lower level two chargers. So that's like an eight hour charge, uh, eight hours for a full charge. And you made mention Wait. in the. Article, right, so that's easy if you're staying somewhere overnight. That's uh, an exactly. overnight charge, and you're totally cool. But you know, as totally. you keep going along the road, yeah, you're gonna have to uh, make these pit stops for some of them. And you know, if it's not gonna be that 30 minute charge, it's gonna take three hours. And uh, you mentioned in the article, some of them took that long. That's when you start really pushing back the overall trip,
3: exactly. Um, and that's when you start really wondering uh, what you're gonna do for three hours in a place that you did not expect to be stuck in. Um, and so, and you're carless. And so, you know, we ended up getting a really nice meal in in Mississippi, um, but we hadn't planned for it and had to walk the 30 minutes downtown because our car was charging. So, you know, the charging stop might not be where you want to hang out.
0: You ran into a lot of people, obviously, along the way who were also charging. How did some of those conversations go? Because a lot of them overall still had pretty positive experiences, especially when you're seeing gas prices tick up. You know, they appreciated some of those things, but, you know, maybe they weren't on a a 2,000 mile road trip like you were. But uh, at least fill us in on some of the conversations you were having with other electric vehicle owners.
3: One. EV owner who has a Ford Mustang Mackie and he travels a lot for work and he drives his electric car all the time um, and has had a super positive experience and, you know, said that he feels a little bit smug with the gas prices up so much, but the Midwest, the charging infrastructure is a lot better than it is in the South. Um, and he finds that he has more options. He still has to plan his routes really carefully. He was telling me that uh, maybe he wouldn't want his wife going on a long road trip with the car because, you know, he'd be worried about her having to plan uh and, you know, not making it, and um, but he's a strategy and it, it really works for him. You know, he has to put a little bit more thought into it, but he saves. he says that, he, you know, he saves thousands of dollars on gas. So it's awesome. So to another woman who also really loves her electric car, but she was driving from her home uh, in St. Louis to Colorado for her daughter's wedding and had to be towed because she ran out of juice oh, on nice. <laughs> the highway twice. She had to be towed two different times. Um wow. And you know that was a that was a few hours during the road trip too, was having to be towed. And there was one moment where we thought we might have to be at, outside of Sykes in Missouri. Thankfully, uh, we made it. To the gas station on zero percent, or to the charging station on <laughs> zero person. The charging station was actually at a gas station, but um, you know you don't want to be the person who's who's stranded because you can't That's just. Right. You know, you could bring back a fuel tank, but you can't wheel a whole <laughs> a generator to your car.
0: What was the worst part of this whole experience? It could have been uh, hitting that gas station, that charging station at zero percent. But was that the worst thing that happened uh, on this journey with regards to the charging and all that? Uh, you know, what was the worst part?
3: I think that was the most nerve wracking was being at zero percent. Um, you know, the conditions were so bad and we were kind of in the middle of nowhere Um, And we really didn't want to have to call a tow truck. Um, And that was, we had been on this road trip forever at that and you know, felt like we were never going to get home. So that was a a real low point (laughs) of the trip. I think that another low was just realizing uh, in Meridian that we might not make it to Chicago. Um, You know, we kind of felt defeated by that three-hour charging time where we were like, I guess we're not. You know exploring nashville um you know i just felt i felt guilty i felt like i had really uh over promised my friend i was like it'll be so fun we'll get to hang out in all these cities um, we did not get any hanging out in, in the city
0: <laughs> you mentioned in the story she had to get back for a shift at her job and that you know it was getting very iffy if you'd even make it back for that part of it right too.
3: it was It was really
0: tight. I love this story for a lot of different reasons, but it's kind of a a story of a typical person. Let's say, hey, I wanted to rent an electric vehicle. Let's try this road trip out. Any normal person is going to pull out an app just like you did and say, let's uh, map this trip along our charging stations. And, uh, you know, so in that sense, it's, it's a very typical type of story. I know you received a lot of feedback for this story. A lot of people may be saying, why didn't you rent a Tesla? Why didn't you use the Tesla network? that's all well and good, but that's not really the point, right? I, I love the point of that this is our public infrastructure of these public right. charging stations that we have right now. And that's such an important thing when we're talking about putting money into this and totally, really making the future. Yeah, exactly. So how do you respond to that?
3: Yeah. I mean, we intentionally did not rent a Tesla um, because Tesla's Tesla's can charge uh, with public charging infrastructure, but only Teslas can charge using Tesla chargers. And so uh, the Kia is more affordable for more consumers. Um, And, you know, it's one brand versus, you know, potentially like any any and every brand of electric car. So while Teslas make up a big percentage of the electric car market right now, um, when we're thinking about the future of electrification, you know, it's not just one company. And so, um, I didn't—I've never driven a Tesla. I—I I don't have any experience. I've nothing against Tesla, um, but uh, it was intentional that we didn't that we did use a Tesla for this trip. Um, and you know, probably, I believe the owners would say it would have been would have been easier with one. But that was the point, you know. like yeah so that we would have a bad time, it was to see, you know, can you do it? You know, cars. these cars are getting so much more popular, so exciting, but you know, what would happen if you try to drive to Chicago? Nothing good.
0: Rachel Wolf, Consumer Trends Reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for today.